Hi everyone and welcome to the Be You Mum podcast. I'm Annie, mum, wife, nutritional therapist, music lover and believer that animal print will never go out of fashion. I believe that we are at our most happiest and healthiest when all parts of ourselves are aligned and singing in harmony, the mind, body, heart and spirit. For me, like most, motherhood has been life-changing. It has opened up so many opportunities to learn more about myself and grow and become a better version of me and generally better human being. So this is what this podcast is all about. Conversations with awesome people who will inspire, inform and empower you to be more you at your brightest and best. Just like health and happiness, I believe there is no one-size-fits-all approach to motherhood. Learning to better understand, love and be yourself is one of the greatest gifts we can give our children. So I hope you will join me on this podcast journey of self-discovery, self-growth and self-love because when we connect with ourselves and step into our personal power, our mummy magic can truly shine. So please keep listening and remember, always be more you. Hi everyone and welcome to episode four of the Be You Mum podcast with me, Annie Breen. So today, my guest is Susie Glasky. Susie is a mum of three children and a certified functional medicine health coach and also founder of Peppermint Wellness, which is her coaching business. After 22 years working as an executive within the fast-paced, highly demanding PR and marketing sector, Susie's own journey with her health and the health of her family led her on this incredible path to a career change that has been life-changing for her as well as the clients she works with. Susie now empowers and supports others to achieve health, happiness and wellness through her coaching programs that really put her clients at the centre of the equation. So in this episode, Susie shares her story of how she came to be a functional health coach and how she felt at the point of making this transition after all those years working in the PR industry. She shares how work had taken over her life and how she was either at work or worrying about work. She also talks about keeping up this illusion of being a full-time director when in fact she was working three days a week and feeling as if she couldn't acknowledge the fact she was a mum. We talk about the juggling act that comes with being a mum in today's culture. Um, Susie shares some practical ways of managing and supporting our health whilst juggling work, life, parenting, and the importance of small, consistent acts of self-care to help preserve and replenish our energy. Um, We also talk about Susie's experience of working in the food industry, which is really interesting. And very much based around convenience, fast food, grabbing things on the go. Um, And Susie actually says that we've been sold this myth almost that we're too stupid or time poor to make our own meals. 
So she shares some really quick, easy alternatives to this that we can make ourselves. So she shares some breakfast ideas that are protein rich that can really set us up for the day and help balance our blood sugar, which is essential for good energy, um, but also our physical health and mental health. We talk about creativity, which is a topic very close to my heart, and the importance of expressing ourselves daily and making time for the things that help us get back in touch with ourselves and put us in a state of flow. This is a really valuable discussion for anyone who is feeling overwhelmed or lost in the juggling act that comes with motherhood, life, career. It may be that you love your job, but it's taken over and you need to pull back some self-care and self-preservation. Or maybe your career doesn't align with your values since having children, in which case I'm sure Susie's story will resonate. I loved our chat and I hope you enjoy it too. There is so much that we can take from this. So without further ado, let's get into episode four. Welcome, Susie. Oh, thank you so much, Annie. It's lovely to be chatting to you today. Oh, thank you so much for giving up your time. I'm really excited to talk to you. I just wondered if we could start by you introducing yourself and telling us a little bit more about what you do and how you got into being a functional medicine health coach. Yes, of course. So as you said in your lovely little intro, I did used to work in PR for many, many years, um, primarily for the food industry. So I work very much on the inside of the food processing and consumer foods industries for a long, long time, promoting everything from sweets to crisps um, and lots of chemical additives that go in foods as well. And I loved it. In all honesty, I was very happy being a PR professional. It was very stressful, but um, it was buzzy and um, interesting and always different. And I ended up actually running my own agency. Um, And then I think that the turning point really came when my my dad was... um, kind of near near the end of his life we kind of knew that he wouldn't be around for very much longer and I um I had I was practicing Reiki already at that stage um and I would sort of occasionally like go and do Reiki on him and he'd be like feel so much better and I I just thought my goodness I'm I'm hardly finding the time (laughs) to come over um just because every week you know, I'd say, right, this week I'm going to take Dad out for lunch. And, you know, you walk into a PR agency and you just get swamped the second you walk in with all sorts of issues and things. And my time just wasn't really my own. And then it'd be like, okay, next week I'll take Dad out for lunch. (laughs) And then it got to the Christmas and I just knew that I was kind of through. I knew very suddenly that I was done. Um, I literally, it was almost an overnight decision and I just sort of walked in and said, um, I'm guys, <laughs> you, you're going to be okay, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm going to leave now. And I, I did, I actually left. Um, it was Christmas, just before Christmas and, um, dad passed away in the March. Um, I did take him out for lunch. Um, and that then kind of led, led me into a whole, um, a whole period where I got progressively more and more sad 
And um, I was really, really helped by um, someone who did EFT on me, which is emotional freedom technique, also known as tapping. And I was so blown away by how it helped me more or less instantly get back to me. I got my smile back. I, um, I just, it, it was so powerful that I decided I had to train up in this, which I did. And then I discovered health coaching, which is a relatively new discipline. And the minute I saw that, I knew that that was what I was going to do for the rest of my working life. Um, and I think the reason for that was that it looked at the whole person. So it looked at the emotional body and the, the physical body and the mental body, the whole, the whole thing. And um, that resonated with me so much. And I've kind of, I trained up and never looked back. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And actually, it's really interesting to hear you say that you, you just knew that you were done with your executive career before necessarily having something to go to. Like it was just something that you felt that had, um, that chapter was kind yeah. of coming to an end. And then you, you had the Reiki and you did the, um, the emotional Sweden technique. I've heard that be amazing for so many people. Um, yes. Especially people suffering with anxiety or depression and um, public speaking as well that has helped people with that. So that's amazing. And do you feel that that just gave you the, the space to actually think what you want to do, but then also the motivation to then go and look into coaching yourself? And I, I guess. I think also um, I very much believe that things kind of find you. Yeah. And um, it was a very random email that my sister had forwarded to me um, which then led on to me seeing something else about health coaching. It was, it was just one of those, you know, serendipity at work, I guess. Um, but I, I had never heard of health coaching, actually. And, and I think most people still haven't heard of health coaching. Um, but, but it was kind of love at first sight, if you, yeah. if you will. You know, when I, when I, I saw that and I kind of, um, I just felt that it was the right fit for me because I, I don't think I would have necessarily wanted to train up as a nutritional therapist. Um, I was always very interested in the, the emotional, spiritual side. Mm -hmm. And um, I love the fact that that was very much brought into the equation in health coaching. Yeah, definitely. And I felt the same when I cha changed from doing the job that I was doing before into nutritional therapy. It just felt yeah. like the right fit. And for me, yes. um, and I think the same with you, there was a personal aspect to it. Like I was really interested in finding out how I could improve my health. And I think as you get into it, you start discovering so much about yourself, don't you? And you really do reconnect back with yourself. And I'm just interested to hear what are some of the things that you changed within your own personal life now? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, it's still a journey. And I wish I could tell you that I had everything, <laughs> everything sorted. Um, but, you know, it's still a matter of kind of making those little choices every day, even, even for a health coach. Um, but there is loads that I've changed. And um, I, I mean, friends would tell, if I had my friends here, they would tell you that I look much more relaxed and happy than I did um, back in those years. Um, there was one year particularly when I was working for an agency, which was beyond horrific. And I lost a lot of weight. Um, and was just 
deeply, deeply um, unhappy and stressed beyond belief. Um, and I and I look back then and I think had I walked into my practice now, um, I mean, it would have been as clear as day that I was really not coping with the stress. But at the time, I didn't, I was just focused on getting through each day and I didn't really connect the dots that the fact that I had, um, you know, that, that I'd come out in hives or that my, my shoulder suddenly went or that I, I had an eye infection that wouldn't go, you know, all these things and that I was losing so much weight and um, I couldn't put the weight on, that all of these things were actually to do with stress. You know, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't really see that. Um, I was just so intent on just, just trying to get through each day. I had two very small children at the time who, um, they were not sleeping. Louis was, um, he was waking up every hour wanting his dummy, <laughs> which is just a killer. That that hourly, uh, it's just, it's just the pits. And um, then I would have a long commute to work and traffic, and have this unbelievably stressful job with people who um were very unsupportive so i couldn't um i'd always had people that i could um trust and rely on at work and suddenly i was thrown into the situation where um it was quite a bitchy atmosphere and um there was no sense of sort of team um and i'd never really experienced anything like that so it was just this whole perfect storm really that i found myself in where i just got progressively more stressed and more ill. I, would, I really do look back now and think that I was, I was ill and I was probably very close to having some sort of breakdown. I think something would have happened. I don't think I could have carried on clinging on by my fingernails for very much longer. I don't know what would have happened, but um, I don't feel I could have done that um, for very much longer. And it's actually going to my GP one day because I just... I, I couldn't understand why I couldn't put weight on, even though I was just like eating, you know, on top of my brie baguette, I would then get like, um, I wouldn't normally have a dessert at lunch, but I'd get like a, a chocolate fudge cake or something. Cause I was just thinking, oh, maybe I just need more calories. I mean, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I just didn't have a clue. That was the extent of, of where I was at that time. Although I, 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 I don't know, I kind of had always thought that I, I, understood a bit about nutrition but I was just so desperate not to see my ribs when I got dressed in the morning that I was just like I, I need to have maybe more cake maybe that will work and um I went to the GP and and he really um he was he was great actually because he said you you can't carry on like this you know you, I had gone under eight stone which for my height was uh, was a very light um and I'd never gone below that before um, and he said, you know what, your period's going to stop if this carries on. And that was just a wake up call. And that really frightened me. And so um, I left and I gradually started putting back weight on. Um, and I remember one of the happiest days was when I was, uh, went to put my jeans on in the morning and I couldn't get them over my thighs. So it's not that I couldn't do the bottom up, I couldn't get them over my thighs. And I don't know what sort of teeny size they were, but I was so happy. Oh, <laughs> Such a warm moment. <laughs> because I thought, you know what? I must be better if I can't get these ridiculously small jeans on. <laughs> I, I think that's amazing. And um, it's true. It does become your new norm sometimes, doesn't it? When you um, 
are so busy and you just don't put yourself first and you forget yourself and you just kind of put up with stuff until it gets to a point where either someone else says or you realize that something has to change um and I think for for me also like becoming a mum and having the sleep taken away all of a sudden all that stuff that was rumbling underneath the stressors it just exploded because that was my recovery and I didn't have that anymore and I know they say that children are your greatest teachers and like I learned that I needed sleep but I also learned that I was living my life in a way that wasn't um helpful for for me you know i needed to find ways of eating better to support the way that i deal with stress um with how i conduct my work so it was all these lessons that suddenly came to the surface and it was i think it was the pulling away the sleep that was the trigger so i'm really interested to if you presented your former self as a client to you now and i'm sure you have so many people that fit that picture. And I know this is gonna, just what you were saying about going into the work environment and it not really having that community, that team spirit. Um, I know so many people are gonna resonate with that. So if your former self came to you for help now, what sort of things would you look at? What sort of things would you consider and be saying? Do you know, that's such an interesting question. I've never really considered what I would have said to myself. my my myself who was 17 years ago in that in that year um what would i have said i mean first of all what i used to do a lot was work into the night so because i couldn't get all my work done even with the best will in the world and working flat out at work it just wasn't physically possible to do it all in the three days that was supposed to be in the office because it was basically a full-time job. So I would always be bringing work home, um, you know, and spend the weekend just sort of just plowing through these documents and things and just trying desperately to um, get up to date, but it was never possible. (laughs) And then Sunday evening, just that awful sick feeling that um, you'd have to do it all again. But I, I would regularly, uh, I got into the habit of getting up, of working very late and then sort of um, just any time when the house was quiet. So it was like, oh, this is amazing. The house is quiet and dark, you know, and I can get work done at midnight. And I just thought that was so wonderful that there was no disturbances and no noise. But of course, um, it's just disastrous, just the worst thing that you can you can think to do and I was so blasé about sleep you know as long as I had a coffee in my hand and my computer screen in front of me um, and just that lovely feeling of I finished that document you know I've done that report Um, and I would never ever ever do that now I am so protective of my sleep you know now that I have um, been fortunate enough to um, be educated on um, a the benefits of sleep and b the risks of um, being so blasé about it and um, just using it as an op- using the night time as an opportunity to get more stuff done. Um, you know the price we pay is such a huge one. So um, yeah, sleep is just first and foremost <laughs> the thing that we need to get back, and that's not always easy. You know when you had um, children like like I did who who were up every hour you know it's not it's not an easy thing to hear that you're supposed to be sleeping eight hours it's like well great thanks (laughs) how do you expect me to do that (laughs) um but you know that that period did pass and 
you know, I mean, they're big now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the one who is up every hour is now about to start an apprenticeship and he, you know, he's a good sleeper. So it does pass, but um, I, I wish I had been more um, mindful of the need to sleep. Um, and I remember one day driving to work on the motorway and, oh no, I was driving back. I was driving back to pick up my kids from nursery and my eyes were closing. And it was such a scary moment to be on the M56, driving away from Manchester, and I could just feel my eyelids going. And, um, you know, wound down the window, put the radio on. But I, I shouldn't have been behind the wheel. I mean, that, I know we talk about drink driving, but oh my goodness, I, and I would never ever even have a glass of wine and drive, but the, my, my reaction time, and I, mean, I dread to think what it was, I dread to think, um, and also the fact that I, I really was falling asleep. Um, and I was going to pick up two very small children and put them in the car. Um, so I just, I just look back and think, wow, what a liability I was. What a wreck. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been in a similar situation. I think um, it's a good point to make, you know, that life goes on and we have to get the kids there and do the shopping. That involves getting in the car. And I've gone through, nearly gone through the odd red light before because I just haven't, that cognition has not been there. I've not been firing on, let alone all cylinders, any cylinders. So, so for, yes. people, for people that... Um, I think about myself, like I love the work that I do, but I know sometimes that balance just falls out. It's like I have to constantly remind myself um, to just, you know, do the sort of more parasympathetic, the relaxation, not be on the go all the time. And I think that's for people that really love their careers too. They can work overtime, can't they? And they can bring their work home and some feel the pressure to do it and some just enjoy to do it. So for people that don't necessarily want to change their career or can't, um, but it is stressful. What sort of things would you recommend doing, sort of lifestyle interventions to help balance yeah. that? Yeah, well, I think it's such a good point that you raised because I know um, I went on to have my own business when I was running a career agency. And of course, you've, you've never done enough. You've never done everything. You know, there's, there's always, I and mean, especially with social media now, which doesn't stop, at least in the early days when you're dealing with just the print media, you know, you had deadlines and then they passed, but with social media, it's just, you know, every second you look, there's something new. Um, and you, it's so important to have a break because as you say, when we are in that, um, we're just in that constant state of low level stress. And when I look back at that time I had in that, um, particularly stressful job I um, I realized now that I I actually metaphorically was holding my breath the whole time because when I left for the next few days afterwards I kept having this involuntary intake of breath as if I'd been underwater and now I look back and think well I was I was almost braced at every, any moment for the next disaster for one of the kids to be able not be able to go to nursery or the next thing that would go wrong at work and even when I was on holiday, because I did take a couple of really nice holidays that, that year, although I wasn't really there, although I was on a beach, I wasn't really there. I was just worrying the whole time about what my colleagues were doing with my accounts. And actually I came back and they, they hadn't done anything. <laughs> I hadn't done anything with, with the handover list at all, so I was right to be worried. 
Um, but I, um, there was no let up, there was no let up at all. So it wasn't a case that I would come back and, and do some exercise or, or something or yoga or anything. I wasn't, I was either at work or I was worrying about work. Um, and that was really my existence. So although I was physically taking the kids here and there and doing the odd mummy and me group every week, actually, when I wasn't at work, I, um, I wasn't present and I was, um, as I say, I was, I can feel that even now <laughs> it's done it when I think about it, it was that bracing that the phone would go and a client would want to speak to me and where am I, where am I going to put my child or, you know, and it was just that constant fear of, um, because it was a situation where my clients weren't really told that I was part-time. So I was having to keep up this, um, illusion <laughs> of being a full-time director when I was only, um, ostensibly working three days and that's a very difficult thing to do when you have um, you know one-year-old and a three-year-old you can't sort of magic them away you know but, yeah. <laughs> and yet I was trying to I was trying to sort of pretend to my clients that that you know I wasn't a mum and it was never sort of talked about and the stress of that was just it was just too much yeah yeah so um, so your question was things like little lifestyle things so the first thing I'd say is um, they've got to really be little um, certainly initially because otherwise it's just too overwhelming you know to, to say to someone oh you need to do an hour's yoga every day well how how on earth when you're already when you're already struggling to do everything you know how are you going to then have the pressure of, of finding an hour so I'm really a big fan of micro practices so these just little things where um for the for the the first thing I think is learning to breathe properly. I and mean, I wish I had been, even doing a breathing exercise just for two minutes a day, I think would have helped me enormously at that time. Um, so I will always teach clients to do um, a breathing technique, very, very simple, um, with a longer exhalation. And then, you know, they can feel their shoulders drop. And the cortisol goes down and they just get back into that rest and digest state. Um, and the thing about that is that you don't need anyone with you to be doing it with you. You don't need an app. You don't need any equipment. It's free. You carry your lungs everywhere you go. And it's, it's really the sort of thing when, when you nip to the toilet, you can just take the opportunity to take a few deep breaths. And you know what, if that's all you've got in a day, then start with that. Start with that is just the regular taking some deep breaths. Um, the most powerful thing for getting back in touch with yourself. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's also important for women in particular to maintain some of their identity that they had before they were kids. So I had no hobbies at that time. I had nothing, I had no distractions, um, nothing that was for me at all. Um, it was just mostly work and then trying to shoehorn these poor little two boys who are just the most adorable <laughs> little things um and they were sort of shoehorned around this this very frantic life that i was living um but i would say i always encourage the mums who i coach now to um and very often they've really forgotten what it was they used to enjoy because they've they've had so long of um sacrificing themselves completely 
at the altar of motherhood, but they can't actually remember what they used to enjoy. Um, so we do a little bit of digging to find that out. And it's different for everyone. You know, for one person, it'll be like, you know, I loved, I used to love to sing. I used to love to sing. Um, but, but I couldn't now, or I haven't got the time or anything like that. But, um, and then it's just kind of like, okay, well, if you, if you did sing, you know, where could you sing? What could you sing? And that there's always a way to, to bring back some of that thing that lit you up, that gave you joy you know not for its sake not not to sing at the bridgewater hall but just to sing for the pure joy of it um and i have gradually worked in uh, firstly worked out what i enjoy doing what really puts you in a state of flow that state of flow that we just in our modern day lives we don't get that and it's a very important part of well-being is to get in that state of flow where you lose track of time um, so, for example, this evening I'm going to my weekly ceramics class, and mm. let me just say, I am so bad at ceramics. But, <laughs> I mean, it's laughable, um, but that's not the point because I'm not making these things to have an exhibition of them. Um, it's just to just enjoy that state of having your fingers in clay <laughs> and getting the glazes out, and and I really do lose track of time, and that's the thing that we are missing. Um, is that just being in a state of flow? So, and that'll be different for everyone. You know, maybe you don't like the thought of ceramics, but I don't know, can you get a coloring book out? Um, you know, there, there will be something, and I'm not talking about being artistic. I think we sometimes confuse, people say, well, I'm not creative, but actually everybody's creative and has a need to express that creativity. That doesn't mean that you need to have any artistic talent. I think we just confuse the two. Yeah. I absolutely asked oh, so many things you just said there that, um, yeah, I think are brilliant. Like, I think, um, was it Brené Brown that said there's no such thing as non-creative people. There's just people that use their creativity and people that don't. And I think you're right. Yeah. We do sometimes connect creativity with art, but it's not just about art. That's an aspect of it. Um, the programs that we do, that what we've created for our business, that's creativity. And it's exactly what you were saying about finding your flow and purpose. And I think just raising your vibration and it ties into the breathing as well. I do a lot of functional testing and I test people's ability to make energy, their Krebs cycle and oxygenation is at the top. And a lot of the time these things are thrown completely out of balance because they're just not breathing consciously and deeply they're not getting the oxygen into the cells and i see that in a functional test so what you were saying about just taking time even when you go to the loo or in the morning um that's all you need and it makes such a big difference um and the same with identity as well i went to a frank turner gig the other night and I love music. I'm a terrible singer, but I love music. And honestly, I was just jumping around all over the place. And <laughs> the crowd was quite, they were into it, but they were just subdued, drinking their pints of cider. And I was a sleep deprived mum, bouncing around, like <laughs> just having the best time because it really did raise me up. And we don't need to be doing that all the time. And we don't necessarily need to be leaving the house to do that. There are things we can do within our environment or just getting out in nature. Um, but yeah, I just absolutely love everything you just said there. And it is small steps and it's simple things and it's doing them con consistently, isn't it? It's committing to something. Um, thank you for sharing. Absolutely. 
<laughs> yeah, so we're not looking for perfection, you know, it's just doing them consistently. So um, what you said about going out in nature is just, I mean, it's just massive. So yesterday, I, it was actually a beautiful day here in Manchester. It was, it was sunny and I, um, I arranged to meet a friend of mine who I really, I love her to bits and I, we'd never really kind of had much one-to-one -one time. Um, she's like a relatively new friend um, who I'm really, really fond of. And we, we met for a walk and we went to kind of like a, um, a, a kind of big field where, where she lives. Um, and we, we ended up, I'd, I'd done a movement is medicine event very recently where um, the guy who spoke, Daryl Edwards, got us playing tick. And I was like, and I said to my friend, you know, can I just show you what we did? Because it was such a giggle. And, and we did. And, and if I tell you that she is 47 and I'll be 48 this month and we were, we were playing TIG in this and we were overlooked by, by houses. So I don't know what they made of it, but um, you can't help but laugh when, when you do that. And I definitely, I, I have definitely, I think, left behind all aspects of playfulness. I think, and, and had not really understood that that is such an important part of being a person, including an adult, that it's not just for kids. Um, so I would be someone who would, you know, yes, I'd take my kids to the park, um, you know, I'd drive them there, and then I would just be sat on the bench while they were going on all their, you know, climbing on the wooden things, etc. And they'd be like, mummy, look, mummy, look, and I'd be, yeah, yeah, great. You know, I'm back to my phone, <laughs> back to sending my emails. Um, and it had never occurred to me that actually I would benefit by kind of playing there with them, that it wasn't just about dropping them off, you know, and watching them play or not watching them play in my case. <laughs> um, so that has been something that I have learned as well. And it's just, you really do feel so different when you, even if it's for five minutes, um, cause I'm not a sporty person, you know, I don't, particularly play football or I'm just not that you know I mean I've just started playing tennis from when I was at school but I I'm not you wouldn't say I was like an, an athlete or anything um but just that kind of even throwing a ball and then my daughter came up with like oh we could throw a ball and then say this in between and it just those little pockets of time where you are playing and moving at the same time and being outside just um, just re-energize you. And I think the thing that I had not understood um, till relatively recently in my life is that energy is like, uh, it's like a bank balance. And if you are just taking it out all the time and never putting in deposits, then you can't be well. You can't mm -hmm. be well. And eventually we do get worn down and that's when you get chronic disease and everything. Um, and I think women are very good <clears throat> at just leeching energy all through the day you know just doing stuff for other people from the minute they wake up to those last through last few kind of um school admin emails as they're lying in bed with their ipad <laughs> it just doesn't seem to finish um and then again do it all again the next day um but what i coach my clients to do is to put the energy back in that's what that's what you have to do and that's something that i never did for most of my career. Um, so it's about working those things in and there may be a tiny thing. It may be 
I don't know, just maybe making yourself a cup of tea and sitting down in the garden having that cup of tea. And that would just shift everything, you know, just taking a moment just to look at the trees um, while you have it, look at the sky. Um, or it could be, you know, doing a yoga class, meet your friends, you know, having a massage, all of these things that we've come to see maybe as luxuries. Um, but you have to put that energy back in to you have a hope of, of being well. So I think if we start to look at it like a bank balance, um, then it's kind of like, okay, what today? How today can I put some energy back in my bank balance? Yeah, yeah I absolutely love that. And we find it so hard to be still, don't we? <laughs> to sit. Oh my goodness, you're so right. <laughs> I'll tell you something, Annie. When, when my kids, when my older kids were little, no, actually when all the, well, well a few years ago when I was working full time, we had an au pair. So this was when I was, I was running the business full time. I had the three kids. So we, we had no pair living with us. And I remember one time I came into the kitchen. It was kind of mid-morning. And she was just stood completely still looking at a squirrel in the garden. And I was kind of looking at her and I thought, my, I actually thought that she was having some sort of seizure. And I said, um, are, you, are you okay? And she said, yes, it's just that the, um, there's three minutes till the end of the dishwasher. So, I, so, um, so she was just standing, she was just standing stock still looking at a squirrel in the garden. And I swear to you, Annie, I thought she was insane. <laughs> I thought, who, what kind of person stands still for three minutes while the dishwasher has not finished? So, of course, I started sort of clanging pots around and, and sort of clearing things away, you know, to show that, you know, actually no one's got time to have that three minutes. I mean, had that been me who walked into the kitchen and seen three minutes on the dishwasher, I would have turned around, gone straight out and written three emails. You know, I would certainly never have considered just actually waiting by it for three whole minutes. And now I look back and think, you know what? She's the wise one and I was the crazy one. I was the crazy one who could not even countenance standing still for three minutes. It was so beyond what was a reasonable thing to me because every second counted, every minute. You know, you had to be multitasking for every minute. Um, and it was, just, it was just unconscionable for me to, what, stand still? <laughs> For three minutes, you're joking. 11 o'clock in the morning when there's, you know, 101 things to do in the house, plus work, plus this, plus everything else. Um, but I look back now and think, yeah, she had the right idea. Why not look at a squirrel for three minutes and just enjoy that <laughs> present and enjoy, enjoy looking at it? It's so, that's such a funny story. Isn't it funny that what we're actually trying to achieve is less, not more? <laughs> it's like... You yeah. know, trying to do less in order to be more and be more productive. And um, I found that like sometimes when I'm really frantic, my husband will be like, just take five minutes, do a headspace. I'm like, I can't, I've got a lot yeah. And I'll do it and then I'll yeah. come back and I can kind of just gather myself. And I did a talk on um, cancer not long ago. And the lady that I was doing it with, just the whole, like the audience were there, the attendees were there, it was a full room. She took me outside and made me do a meditation. <laughs> and I was like, but they're waiting. And I did it. I followed what she was saying and I got into that zone. And I tell you what, it really helped. I came back in more like a, 
I was a swan. I was still a bit nervous underneath, but it really did just help. And I think that's, it's quite hard to get our heads around that, isn't it? That sometimes to be more productive, we actually need to take some mental space and do less for a minute. Yeah, so, so true. I think we fall into the trap of just thinking more is more. Yeah. You know, or we can um, <clears throat> crack on, you know, let's crack on. Next thing on the list, tick it off. <clears throat> and our whole lives are based around being so productive and constructive and, you know, running around. And it is seen very much as a badge of honor, you know, what you've achieved today and how, you know, how late you stayed up getting this, that, and the other done. And, and really it isn't actually. And I love the story that you just related because now I do, I do so much, um, I do a lot of corporate work and kind of group workshops at companies. And um, I will always do a breathing exercise with everyone. And it's really nice to help them to see that actually just taking these little breaks to get back to that feeling of calm, and serenity when you can actually think straight you'll get more done because when we go into that state of fight or flight you know our prefrontal cortex we're just it's just not working we can't actually think properly to make wise rational decisions and that's when you end up end up um, banging off emails that you then are regretting for the next week and having to undo all the damage that you've done because you you can't think straight. Yes. So just these little things, you know, making sure that you're fueled properly, making sure that your blood sugar is stable. My blood sugar for most of my life was all over the place. Um, and I would make mistakes and zone out of meetings because, because I was on a blood sugar roller coaster and I'd hit, I'd hit the floor. And until I had my next crumpet or piece of toast or biscuit, I was just, um, I was really not even worth addressing because I, I, I was so useless, even though I had a very senior position. I, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't come up with any creative solutions. I could barely form a sentence because yeah. um, having a crash and that would happen regularly every single day. Mm. Um, so once people understand how to actually fuel themselves on every level, they can get so much more done. And I know I'm sharper at, well, nearly 48, than I was at 28, there's no question. Mainly because my blood sugar stable um, and I had never understood before um, that I needed to have protein <laughs> with my meals. I'd never, I'd never really understood. I thought I was doing the right thing, having toast for breakfast or having um, some healthy looking cereal. I didn't really compute what it was doing to me because I thought that was just me. I thought that's just me that gets shaky and goes a funny color. I never joined the dots between how I was feeling and what I was eating. Yeah. And that's what I do now when I go into a company. And what sort of things, um, I mean, we're just, we're, we could talk all day. <laughs> we're coming towards the end, but just in terms of nutrition, and, and that's really good that you made that point about blood sugar, because I see people that come to me with anxiety and depression and some quite severe symptoms. And actually, when you dig a little bit deeper, their blood sugar is all over the place and their body is going in and out of survival mode. And just by changing that, by eating balanced meals frequently, can just change everything. So from a health point of view or nutrition, if you are that sort of busy, on the go, time poor person, 
how, what, what sort of snacks, what sort of things would you recommend um, eating throughout the day or if you have to grab and go from shops, what sort of choices or mm. what would your typical yeah. day look like? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think, um, I think the first thing is, is you've got to really um, be a lot more savvy, savvier about what the food industry is pushing at you because we've been sold this myth that um, you know, it's all about convenience and we're, we're too time poor and we're too stupid to, to prepare our own food. So here's a meal replacement bar, here's a breakfast bar, here's this, that and the other. And, and I regularly see people uh, working all sorts of jobs who will have a breakfast bar um, you know, with an energy drink and thinking that that is the way to have more energy because that's how it's been sold to us. And of course it's, you know, what could be more toxic really and, and detrimental to our long-term long -term health, but also our, how we feel when we're having it. Um, so it's very individual and um, you've got to go with what you like, but a lot of people, for example, will find that once they understand that their low-fat yogurt is not actually doing them any favors, their low-fat fruit yogurt that they're having for breakfast, um, they will maybe make a batch of, you know, like a, a muffin where they've just mixed some eggs with, I don't know, spinach, tomato, feta, herbs, whatever they like. And that's, once they've um, baked those in the oven, it's a really good grab and go because they can have them hot or cold or warm. And if they don't have time to have anything in the morning, they can just literally grab it and eat it. I mean, I, I'm, it's not brilliant to eat at the wheel, but, but you know, you have to do what, what fits in with your schedule. But the point is they're getting some protein. And then what happens immediately is they stop, they, they stop having um, an energy crash at 11 o'clock. They stop craving chocolate. So their whole day changes and they then have more energy after work. And can then go for a walk, walk the dog, or play with their kids after work. And that was from literally swapping a low-fat yogurt for an egg muffin that they got all of those benefits from that little switch. And that I see all the time. Yeah, yeah, I think that is quite such easy. good. <laughs> it's quite easy once yeah. you understand the basics of what a human needs. Yeah, you know, in terms of nutrition, in terms of sleep. Um, in terms of some daily movement and some some breathing and stress management um, it's just working those things into your life so that you can do them consistently that's that's the trick how do you make it work for you a hundred percent I think I'm on my like third batch of muffins this week <laughs> Um, and I put courgettes into like sweet ones as well for, for Bonnie and um, yeah like I think that's that's such good advice and we're near the end and I'm so grateful for your time there is so much that has been so informative and empowering and and like you said you know simple things that we can implement day to day and I think it's just really ascertaining your why why do we want to feel healthy why do we want to feel better and ultimately you know we want to be around for our kids as long as possible as well as ourselves don't we um, so yes. what you've said is so achievable and, and anyone can really fit that in regardless of what their kind of work parent life looks like. Is there anything that you want to leave us with? Any words of wisdom, whether that be a bit of advice you see yourself giving your clients all the time or something that's helped you, a quote, anything that yeah, can yeah. Um, help our listeners? Well, I'm going to echo what you just said, Annie, because that was the wisest thing is you've got to find your why. 
Um, and as someone once said, and I don't know who, but find a why that makes you cry. So you want something that, that tugs at your heart so much that you will choose, you know, the omelette over the um, croissant, over the power chocolat, because you, you, because you want to be healthy for your kids, because you don't want them to have to look after you um, because you've got, God forbid, you know, Alzheimer's or whatever. Um, and once, once you get really clear on that why, I mean, I, I, that's an absolute precondition i think um and then getting some help so getting some support whether it's an online facebook group um whether it's a group of you guys at work or with fellow mums or you know or a health coach but um it's really hard to make changes on your own um especially if you're stuck down a hole of you know sugar addiction or work addiction or, or whatever it is or you know just feeling anxious and overwhelmed and just there's so much, so many books and, and, and apps and, and things that are just overwhelming for everyone to make sense of. Who do you trust? There's this diet, that diet. Um, it can be very, very bewildering. So having somebody who can help you make sense of it and help you gradually, gradually, you know, don't try and change your life overnight. It just doesn't work. Um, if you can just make a little baby step at a time so whether it's starting by taking a few deep breaths um, several times a day whether you just switch your breakfast just something that is achievable um, maybe a glass of water before your coffee first thing um, and just embed that and when you when you're happy that you've kind of got that then how do you build on that and another baby step maybe you'll book a walk with a friend instead of going for a coffee with them maybe you'll you'll go for a walk and you know, just, just baby step by baby step. That's the way to do it. Oh, that's so helpful. Thank you so much, Susie. Um, it's been so lovely chatting to you. And I know that so much of what you've said is going to resonate with um, the listeners. So thank you so much again for your time. It's my absolute pleasure, Annie. Thank you. Well, thank you everyone for listening. If you would like to find out more or get in touch with Susie, then I have put a link to her website, Peppermint Wellness, in the show notes and also her social media platforms. If you enjoyed the show, please let me know. And if you're feeling super inspired, as always, please leave me a review. It is much appreciated. I have a community for mums on Facebook. It's called the BU Mum Community, which I set up for women on their motherhood journeys to get inspired, informed, and empowered to reconnect with your health at a mind, body, heart, and soul level. So please do come along and join to continue the conversation, spread the love, and share your magic. I'll be back next week with another episode.